Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. We're here in Happy Valley where the university is on the verge of spring break. And then they come back and we got spring ball on our hands just around the corner. Winter workouts wrapping up on Thursday. Um, going back to something we haven't seen since early 2020, they're going to open their doors, let some media in for this final winter workout session, a chance to uh, you know, evaluate some guys face-to-face, -face, get as many pictures as you possibly can. We'll have a bunch of coverage up on lines247.com with some takeaways. Sean, you already put a piece up on Thursday. Some specific players you'll be watching closely uh, when the weight room doors open. Um, it's a long list, and this is a good opportunity because it's one we haven't had for a couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, it started out as a short list, and then I'm like, what about this guy? What about this guy? And then there's that guy, and then there's this guy's backup. And yeah, it, it expanded a little bit uh, beyond what I thought I was going to get into, but there's still um, some quality names on that list. I talked to some folks in the program um, earlier today about you know who's who should be taking a look at and of course a lot of the a lot of the regulars the the early enrollees are always very interesting at this point in time i mean zane durant's been a guy that we've heard from everybody um over the last couple of weeks and a guy like jb nelson the offensive lineman out of lackawanna where does he fit into the thing but i mean there's some older guys too that you can you know sort of get a feel for what you're looking for in leadership and and you know the, the vocal ability we talk about a curtis jacobs in that uh, in that manner a guy that's, I think we said it before, really has an opportunity to make a leap here uh, this offseason to, to become a star. So, um, you know, there's I think there's a bunch of guys to watch today. Hopefully nothing breaking comes out of it because we're, you know, recording here on a Thursday afternoon. Then we'll head over to Lash in a little in a little bit and check things out. But it, it'll be good to see. I mean, this is the uh, first time since either late February or early March 2020. I remember, you know, uh, checking things out there. We didn't get it last uh, last year or last two I guess it's been two years since we've been in there. So it's always fun to see the uh, the team building, the camaraderie, and, of course, the strength program under new director Chuck Losey. That'll be an interesting one because this was always one of the most uh, enlightening conversations that we had with any member of the Penn State staff when Dwight Gold would come out and somehow, somehow just rattle off numbers and and all these different uh, formulas and strength, strength indexes and everything like that about how these guys were doing in the offseason. It's just a, a marvel to watch. We'll see what Chuck uh, brings to the table outside of the mustache, which, of course, he is famous for. So looking forward to all that. Uh, check out Lions247.com for all the coverage today, Mark. Uh, and I will be up there. Grace Brennan will be up there as well. So uh, don't forget to check that out after you listen to this podcast. So Penn State, obviously, this is an opportunity to, to kind of showcase the advancement. It's always interesting, interesting to see, Sean, year one to year two guys, particularly since we didn't get a ton of eyeballs on a lot of those true freshmen last year. Um, and I go I go back to, to some of these names that you have listed here. And the ones that aren't listed are also the interesting ones. Uh, the guys that have been out of sight, out of mind, Salim Wormley, P.J. Mustafer, Adiza Isaac, Akeem Beeman, 
this is the point of the calendar where you know you kind of get a glimpse at where guys may be heading into spring ball availabilities in question for, for plenty of these guys. And, and we're also forecasting towards uh, being available for padded practices in August. And that's the important part, but it, it's, you know, it's an unfortunate part of football. You may see some guys walking around a little hobble that we didn't know were nicked up. Those are the kind of things that also tend to get gleaned from this encounter. Well, we haven't had an opportunity to overreact to anything in the last yes. month or so since Outback Bowl, since the Outback Bowl or the Outback Bowl practices. So this is always an opportunity because it's it's never the full team, uh, you know, and it's never just like a certain segment of players, like it's just the early enrollee, whatever. It's always just so random of who's there, who's not. And of course, class is going on here uh, right now, just uh, leading up to spring break. So uh, I'm sure there will be things to overreact about. I'm sure there will be videos in which guys are just beasting out and doing all these kind of crazy things. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's always fun to to get an overreaction in between the bowl game and the spring game because that's always something we need to keep ourselves, you know, sort of light and fit. This is the first of a few days to know here in March with some media access that will certainly help our coverage at Lions 24-7 and give us some things to talk about here on the podcast. Got the open workout on Thursday, a little bit later in the month after spring break. Uh, Monday, the 21st, James Franklin, James Franklin in-person press conference. Uh, first time in a long time we've had one of those on campus scheduled to open up spring ball on the 21st, which is going to be 15 practices going to April 23rd and then that blue-white game. And then April 24th, uh, or March 24th, I should say, pro day uh, back at Penn State as well. So another chance for a lot of these guys who were at the Combine, those who were not invited to the Combine, to show what they can do in front of some pro scouts. That's all coming up. But before we before we look ahead and kind of move beyond winter workouts, just kind of putting a, a, a bow on this, it's an early proving ground for the freshmen, as we've documented, but I think really just as important for this team where it's at right now from a roster standpoint, uh, even some of the coaching leadership that they've lost, who's emerging as vocal presence, who's emerging as the accountability, uh, yeah, accountability leaders that maybe weren't doing it this time last year. That's always a very important part, I think, of when you're going through winter workouts into spring ball, because you can't wait until August to really step up and be that kind of a guy. Sometimes you can, but it's much harder to do at that stage of the calendar. Yeah, and it's not always the obvious guys. I mean, I just talked about Jacobs, you know, with the potential to be very good this year. But, you know, you looking back, uh, you know, Jesse Lucetta had a fantastic year last year, but the leadership has always been there for him. You look back to a guy like Mark Allen in the, in, you know, a couple of years ago, a backup running back who was kind of the, the heartbeat of one of those teams. So, I mean, it's, it, it's not always the first place you look because the first place you're looking is, you know, used to be Parsons, used to be OA, used to be all these these stars. Um, but, you know, there's there's glue guys in there that I think we'll uh, we'll try and discover and figure out because you look at the way that this team played over the last half of the 2021 season and you were sort of searching for these guys to come out of the woodwork and establish themselves as leaders. And sometimes it happened. Sometimes it didn't. Of course, when you lose what five game, five of your last six or five of your last seven games, that's, uh, you know, every, every all the negatives are going to pop up. So we'll be looking for that. Uh, I think there's some some. I don't even want to call them seniors. Well, of course, you can't call them seniors anymore because it's, uh, you know, with the COVID year, some of them might be seniors, some of them might be sophomores still. So uh, you'll find those veterans in there that, that people are sort of gravitating to, clinging to. And and it's going to be, you know, for for Chuck Losey and his staff, it's going to be those guys that they lean on the most for, uh, you know, sort of being that liaison between the strength staff and the players. We talked a lot about 
the freshmen, the early enrollees trying to make their initial impression, their opening case uh, for consideration to burn redshirt status, to play big roles, whether it's a Nick Singleton or a Zane Duran or even a, a Bo Perbula, Drew Aller. We've talked about a lot of them this year. But one thing that is a more difficult conversation to wrap your head around, but it's an unfortunate reality of college football is last case kind of situations that are spread across the roster. We don't want to really, really want to single out a bunch of guys here, but you're at the point now where you've had that wave of transfer portal entrances after the regular season. And we know one is upcoming after spring ball. That's going to be for Penn state. That's going to be for programs across the country. Chris Hummer joined us a couple weeks ago and, and forecasted that it's going to happen. It's going to be movement. And so these 15 practices that are upcoming and really this winter workout stretch it's a point where if you're a year four, year five, and maybe in some cases even a year three guy, you've got to get on footing with your assistant coaches and figure out where exactly you fit and is this the right move for you moving beyond spring. Yeah, we, we'd love everybody to succeed and live up to uh, you know the expectations that they all had when they came in, but it's just uh, the, the the fact of the matter is that doesn't happen. So you've got veterans that will get passed up. You've got guys that uh, you know maybe have played a bunch of football before that get caught up in 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 rotational you know uh, differences and things like that. So I think a lot of that is uh, behind Penn State in terms of what they you know have seen gone to the portal, but still. As you mentioned it before, you're not going to escape the spring semester unscathed. There are going to be guys that are just looking for a better opportunity or just looking for a op or an opportunity. Because uh, I think it's it's really fascinating to see how you can you know some some programs have been bringing back those six year guys and those fifth year guys. And it, I don't want to say they don't add value because the experience is certainly something worth leaning on. But they're they're not going to provide you with reps. They're not going to provide you with uh, you know a lot of meaningful game activity which can end up being counterproductive when you talk about getting those young guys reps. And of course, you still have to wonder how does that pandemic year, which absolved everybody of a, a year of eligibility, how does that factor into decision-making? Are guys going to maybe be a little more patient with the process because that clock, the eligibility clock, isn't ticking quite as loud as it normally would be if eligibility was used in 2020? Some things to factor in there, as James Franklin has said repeatedly, this is a different phase, a different era for college football when you're trying to manage a roster. That's part of the, the, the process. Uh, again, check out lines247.com. Heading out of this Thursday, open session for photos, video, uh, and content uh, as we get our latest look at the Nittany Lions. Um, Sean, we're going to get a chance to see a bunch of familiar faces in action in Indianapolis in the next few days. Starting on Thursday with Jahan Dotson, the wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks are out there at the scouting combine, going through positional drills, going through their testing. We heard from Jesse Lucetta on Monday. We hope you heard that episode, a former Penn State linebacker, defensive end, who's getting ready to try to build his draft stock. So are seven other guys. So I'll go through the list real quick, and, and then we'll just pinpoint some things that maybe stand out to you and I. Jahan Dotson, Arnold Ebicati, Jaquan Brisker, Jesse Lucetta, Brandon Smith, Rashid Walker, Tariq Castrofields, and Jordan Stout representing Penn State out there. Uh, no Big Ten, no Big Ten program sends more representation out to Indianapolis this year than Penn State. Yeah, it's going to be a big week for those guys. It's already started. Dotson had interviews. He will run later today. I believe DraftKings has him at 4.33 for the over-under, which there's not a ton of those guys out there, um, but that's what he ran last winter at Penn State. So it'll be really interesting to see. Penn State's times are usually very close to combine times. Um, I will say 4.33 is, would be elite. It'd be an amazing run for him. So be interesting to see which, uh, which side of the coin he falls on there. But Dotson has an opportunity to solidify his standing 
maybe it's a late first rounder, a potentially an early second rounder. Um, I, the tape is phenomenal. So, I mean, you're just going to go back to that over and over again, a, a little bit lighter than you'd like, but we've seen light receivers succeed. We've seen l- light receivers excel in the NFL as well. So um, Dotson has, has an opportunity to solidify his draft standing as, as do the other guys at the top of the board in, in AK and, and Jaquan Brisker, those guys, you know, I expect them to test well. I expect all Penn State guys to test well, to be honest with you. That's kind of the where we where we found ourselves in the last couple <laughs> of years. It's just looking and taking for granted that these guys are going to go out to the combine and run really well. I mean, even a guy like Jordan Stout is going to run well. I mean, that's kind of where where they're at with this uh, this whole production thing. So I, I think you go back to AK and Brisker, those guys, positional drills will be big. Finding a position for, for uh, Ebikidi will be big as well. Um, but those guys have tape to back it up, and they've been uh, phenomenal at times. Uh, you know, some of the top players in the Big Ten, those first three guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really big opportunity for them to, I think, uh, for in, in Brisker and AK's uh, sense, even move up a little bit more. Sean, you may have noticed there's a lot of opinions about where players will be picked in the upcoming draft, and it's all over the internet. Uh, but why don't we go th- right to Mel Kuyper, because he's been doing it for a long time. We always talk about him. He's got right now Ebikade and Jahan Dotson in his latest first-round mock draft that came out this week before the combine. The combine is going to change everything and shake right. up the board, but just kind of an indication there. I went over to Pro Football Focus, kind of saw what their big board looks like. They've got three Penn State players in the top 50, um, and Jahan Dotson, uh, Jaquan Brisker, and then Arnold Ebikade, all of them between 38 and I think it was 50. So, again, I, I think I mentioned this before. We could see Penn State back-to-back years get multiple players in the first round, something that they hadn't done for an 18-year span. Or we're in a situation where when you you know wake up on on a Friday and, and you kind of see, okay, what's, what's the situation look like for day two of the draft? You may see three Penn State guys on the, the top 10 big board for, for, for round number two. This is a proving ground here in the next two weeks. You've got Pro Day coming up later in the month. Um, but we've also got to note with Dotson specifically, and it's happening every year now because we're seeing – just check out the recruiting classes. Wide receiver is where so many standout athletes are just directing their their focus right now. It's a deep recruiting class. And Jahan Dotson may be your first-round talent, but will there be enough first-round slots to fit in all these receivers and work his way in there? If he goes on the under on the 4-3-3, that probably answers the question. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a big <laughs> opportunity for him. Um, everybody knows he's fast. I think, it, you know, looking at his career and you go back to the Minnesota game, um, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate that it that it went that way because he kind of got that label of guy that couldn't have run away from people. And then, you know, he started running away from people and doing a heck yeah. of a job over the next couple of years. So it's it's been funny to follow him because he ran that 4.73, I think it was, when he was in high school. Um, at one of those camps. And that, that really, I mean, that knocked Ohio state off him, knocked Michigan off him, knocked Penn state off of him for a while. Um, you know, you couple that with the 24 foot long jump and eventually he ran, I think a 10, eight something in the hundred. Um, so those track times backed up his, his athleticism and, and that long speed. Um, and people were questioning and myself included were questioning what, what kind of athlete, not so much that he wasn't an athlete, but what, like, what, what's the discrepancy here? How, how can it be this crazy? Comes out, runs a four three three last off season. I think he's going to do well. I don't know that he's going to break that mark or equal that mark in Indy because it's a little bit different in terms of the timing structure. Um, you know, you got one laser, and, and and trying to beat that laser is is tough. So, um, but uh, he's got an opportunity to do so. He's got an opportunity to solidify himself. I, I was, you know, reading the NFL.com um, 
excuse me, the NFL.com evaluations, they actually have Brisker as the highest scored, um, you know, Penn State prospect. And then you've got AK and then you've got Dotson, which of course they're going to knock Dotson for his size and things like that. But I thought that was really interesting is that you've got these three guys at the top and everybody agrees that they are three guys in the top, but are they, are there a couple first rounders in there? I don't know. Are they top of the second round board guys? I don't know. And what order do you put them in? I can make an argument for all three of those guys being the top one. No, it's it, it it's I mean it's a fascinating thing to to follow and and what determines what franchises do, especially at the back end of the first round. It's it's always a wild card. Uh, you're getting into teams that can maybe afford some luxury picks. Then you talk about guys a a program right there, yeah, yeah, and then and then jumping up into the late first to get quarterbacks and and this and that. So. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, I believe in, in Kuiper's draft, he had both Ebikati and Dotson going in the mid twenties range. Um, he had Dotson as the as the fifth receiver off the board, I believe. So uh, again, receivers uh, a heavy heavy top loaded group. Um, I'm, I'm going to go to Brandon Smith real quick here, Sean, because I don't think there is a player who is more polarizing right now. When you kind of look at what that, that the word around him, I, I go to Pro Football Focus, and he's number sixty two, which puts him in late second round range. And then you go to NFL.com and I use these two for examples and NFL.com has him as a borderline draft pick, maybe an undrafted free agent and expecting him to put up really impressive athletic numbers this week. I'm very curious to, we're not going to hear about it, but I'm very curious how Brandon Smith handles himself in pressure cooker spots, talking to league executives, talking to NFL decision makers when they come at him a bit about his shortcomings on the field why didn't he look like a complete pro, uh, prospect coming out of Penn State? They're going to know he was the top linebacker in the country going going into Penn State. You know, he's the only guy who, who made that leap after year three uh, from the Nittany Lions. I know a lot of folks, myself included, felt like a year of refinement maybe bumps up his draft stock. He went for it. He's he's investing himself with this decision. But man, it could go one of two ways. I, I think either he wows some wows some people, and he ends up you know making somebody convincing somebody that it's worth going day two on him and maybe even round two on him uh, because of that athletic pedigree, because they, they can reach that potential. And they're thinking about when he's 23, 24, 25, what can they make him coming up on that second contract? Or maybe he falls and falls and falls. And this is one of those cautionary tales. You don't want to see that play out for a young man, but it's really just kind of playing out that way. And maybe we'll get some clarity through Indianapolis. But when I was reading up on Brandon Smith this week, there is, a lot of varying opinions and many of them are skewed toward the tail end of the draft. Yeah. Polarizing, as you said, but I, I mean, it's it, when your guy leaves early and you question his decision might be because of size might be because of athleticism, he checks those boxes. So I feel like somebody's going to want to take that chance, yep. feel that they can fix him, And if they can't fix him, make him an edge rusher, make him a, a three, four outside linebacker or something like that, because he's got that length. He's got that explosion off the edge. He did show at times that he could blitz, um, but uh, yeah, you're right. I think it's going to it's going to be interesting to watch because he's going. You know, they've already watched the tape. They've already got their baseline evaluation on him. He'll come out. I think he'll test well, and that's going to force people to go back into the tape and try and figure out where the holes are and, and what does that make him? Does that make him a, a late day two pick, or does that make him a guy that you're sitting there and late in the draft and taking a flyer on? So I, I do think he'll get drafted. I mean, I, I think he's there's just too much. Uh, athleticism, there's too much size and ready-made size that, uh, that that works. And and I'll be honest with you, uh, the, the star system, you know, those stars go away when you, you know, arrive on campus. 
But that's something that NFL scouts look at and say, okay, this guy had talent. You look back in a couple of a couple of years ago, and you know maybe didn't have the production, but there's some talent in there that they can mine out of that, and uh, that's something that they go to because we've seen guys that have not had productive careers, five-star prospects that have not had productive careers in college that go on to play in the NFL for a long time because those scouts think or those coaches think that that talent takes a while to to degrade. We're still talking. We're talking about a guy who's about 21 years old. Uh, you know, an NFL guys. You know, you, you're trying to forecast the, the you know for the mid into their mid 20s when you're drafting guys. I think Sean, when when I kind of look at at it, could go one way or the other. Right now, going into Indianapolis, I think Brandon Smith is the guy uh, out of Penn State that gets drafted higher than where Penn State fans think he will go. Last time it was it was Odafe away. I think a lot of people thought he was. They looked at the sack number and they just thought, no way is he going to go in the first round, even though Sean and Tyler keep telling us he might. And he did. If it's not Brandon Smith, though, um, curious about Jesse Lucetta because, you know, he did really well for himself at the senior bowl. No surprise. He's, he's going to crush some interviews out there. And um, you heard him on our podcast. He handles himself with, with tr- tremendous poise. Um, where is the position fit? Is, is there going to be enough franchises that say we're willing to sink our teeth into this kid as a definitive defensive end or as a definitive linebacker, because I don't think uh, unless there's enough of those teams, then, then you risk him slipping because you don't want to take a guy who's kind of sort of this and kind of sort of that. You only have so many roster spots. You only have so many of these draft picks. And I think Jesse Lucchetta isn't the kind of next level athlete that is going to warrant kind of that consideration. So to me, the more important thing is here is having somebody fall in love with him for a specific role, even if initially it's maybe, you know, kind of a supplemental part of your defense. And then you go from there. couple things. You said no surprises. And I think that's the thing with Jesse. When you, when you draft him, you know what you're getting. You, you have a very good idea of what he brings to the table at a, you know, even if you don't have a clear cut position for him, the value that he's going to add to your roster when he does that, now, the, the other thing is, and the 40 coming out of the combine, always drastically overrated, but it's going to be very important for Jesse. You know, this is a guy that came into campus running in the four nines. And, you know, he I think he you posted the other day, um, one of his trainers or somebody, they did a mock combine and he was in the four sixes. So um, if he can post anywhere close to that, probably set an over under about a four seven, then, you know, he should be all right. But I think it's going to be very important to see how he runs in front of these scouts and how he moves in those position drills, just to, just to figure out just a little bit more data on him to figure out what kind of athlete he is. And if he's an NFL caliber athlete, we'll be right back on the Lions 24 seven podcast. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
talk about data. There's a lot of it on Tariq Castro fields, um, but he's a hard guy to figure out. For someone who played 50 games in an Indy Lions uniform, uh, the availability was an issue for him for much of the stretch. You look back at that 2019 season before the injury and before the wheels kind of came off for him, he was playing outstanding football. Uh, I mean, he was, you were starting to project him as, as a, as a top tier kind of prospect and, Never was able to, to reach that level. He wasn't a, a first, second team, all Big Ten performer here at Penn State, Sean. But, you know, he's the kind of guy that that I could see going out there, generating some interest and uh, a competitive personality. And, and, and I don't know, I think he is the kind of player that special teams is, is a necessary pathway. It wasn't really something that we were focused on with him at Penn State. But when you say, how can he make the leap? How can he stick to a roster? You start thinking beyond the cornerback position. And to me, if he can show that kind of range, he could carve out a career for himself. Again, blue chip prospect coming in, played a ton of football in the Big Ten, and probably a guy that that Penn State fans were were able to pick on more than you're going to realize. Uh, the e external view is is on Tariq Castro Fields. Yeah, um, I, I think there's probably a little bit more of a, a cloud over him here than there is if you kind of just zoom out that lens and don't look at it from the Penn State standpoint. Yeah, sometimes we see too much of these guys, and mm -hmm. and that's uh, we, we tend to overrate some guys, underrate some others. I think uh, Castro Fields probably in that latter group. Um, I think he can play in the pros. Uh, can he stick? It's hard to say. Um, you know, it doesn't have the ball skills that Amani had a couple of years ago. And of course, Amani's having a, a great career in, in Detroit right now. Um, but uh, the funny thing that I keep going back to, if you look at his strengths on NFL.com, the first thing it says big, long and can run. I mean, that's that, that's what it comes down to for a lot of these guys. When you're, you know, taking a, a six one guy versus a five eleven guy, is you tend to side with the bigger guy if they're similar speed or or something like that. So he's big, he's long, he can run. Um, he's got an got an opportunity here to, um, I don't want to say improve upon his tape, but show some things that he that there were holes in his game um, from viewing the tape that uh, they're going to need answered, especially his health situation. I mean, you talk about how many games he played. But a lot of those are, are distant memories. You know, he, he did not play, you know, down the stretch at all last year. He did not play in the Outback Bowl, even though, you know, he did the same thing where he would show up and sometimes go through warmups and just kind of be there for the Outback Bowl. Not that I think that dings him at all, but he's going to have questions about his health and, and how he can hold up at uh, especially at that level. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, although a lot of games accrued, not uh, significant stretches where he's you know consistently available for you, and and that's going to impact your perception of a player. And uh, Sean more, more dominant stretches. That's the thing. Like he, he never looked at him and said that this guy was a shutdown corner. And right. although I thought he was a very good good corner, you never really saw that from him taking it upon himself, getting the turnover numbers and things like that. Now, Sean, no one is as puzzling as Rasheed Walker is in terms of Penn State prospects in this draft. Uh, you know what, Brandon Smith may be, uh, to be honest with you, but Rasheed Walker, considering where the forecast was this time last year, felt like Penn State picked up a bonus year with Rasheed Walker, a guy who maybe was going to make that plunge into the 2021 NFL draft. And I mean, he, he made it very clear. The mission statement was to help Penn State win a Big Ten championship, but also to refine and fix the little this and that's about his game that maybe had him as a mid-round pick last year that could put him in a first-round territory. Those early mock drafts forecasted him in that kind of a range. We brought up the name Donovan Smith a bit here in the comparison of the transition out to Penn State into the NFL. Obviously, an outcome like that would be extremely desirable. Donovan Smith is a Super Bowl champion and a very rich man who didn't finish his Penn State career on a high note. Rasheed Walker, time will tell, but talk about a guy that could go round three and I wouldn't be necessarily shocked. And if he goes round seven or goes undrafted, 
I kind of get it too. I don't know where he is right now. Uh, and we're, we're going to try to see if he's active in all these drills. But last time you and I saw him, he was working his way around Tampa on crutches. Yeah, he was he was hurt there at the end of the season. So that's not a surprise if he wouldn't go through all these testing and things like that. I mean, you always want to be as healthy as possible. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the fourth guy off the board. And I know that's uh, another polarizing guy, especially for Penn State fans coming down the stretch and, and and things like that last year. But he's just so so talented. He's got the the uh, the size and everything. I think he said he talked to the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Steelers uh, for formal interviews when he was interviewed today. Um, so there's cer- certainly some buzz about him, and that ta- that tackle position is always one that you're looking for guys, especially in those middle rounds. Uh, if you can cultivate a starter out of the middle rounds and and you know maybe turn him into something. Uh, you, you put your franchise in a very enviable position, um, especially uh, at left tackle where he's expected to play. So I think he's, I think he's talented. Um, I, we, I don't think we saw the best of Rashid Walker. I think that's a disappointment there. Uh, but I think that that's going to be another one of those guys like Brandon Smith, that you're going to see him. You're going to be impressed by him if you're a scout and you're going to think this is what we can do with him, especially at a position like that. So I would not be surprised if he was the fourth Penn state guy off the board. And I know that's probably, you know, not a popular opinion uh, after watching him over the past couple of seasons, but you know, football people just think he's so talented as we'll, we'll see what happens with him. I'm very intrigued to see what happens maybe not this week, but, but at pro day to see if he works out and see if he's in great shape and, and if see if he can go because uh, it's certainly that punch is going to be something that, that people talk about. Yeah, I, I I mentioned a range of round three to round seven. I, I want to make it clear I, I would I would veer more toward the early rounds than the late rounds in that case with Rashid Walker because I do like you said think there is such a high value placed on that position. Uh, it's a premium spot and you can view Rashid Walker. You can poke holes in that game, but there's a lot of film to study from him going up against future NFL edge rushers and current NFL edge rushers that you can scrutinize and work through and, and kind of talk with him through this draft process. And with, with that, with the kind of volume he has kind of the war chest he developed here at Penn state, um, I, th- I think he's going to get an opportunity and just really curious because this is a guy that um, we saw Donovan Smith go out and get that second contract. And now a third contract, that's the key for Rasheed Walker because the, the big payday that we thought maybe would be coming for him isn't necessarily going to be coming in this first uh, first year. And it's a big payday compared to most of us, but in NFL schemes, he's going to be targeting year three, year four. And does he have that potential to be a guy that you pick mid-round and then later on you're franchising him? He absolutely does. But just as we talked about in 2019, he had the potential to be an All-American. This year he was a third-team All-Big Ten pick. Yeah, his his best case scenario has always been that high ceiling. You know, like you you look at every time you look at him, and he he's he hasn't gotten there. You know, it, it's unfortunate he hasn't gotten there. I thought he played well as a redshirt freshman in that situation, and then you didn't see the uh, didn't see the improvement that you would hope for um, from a Penn State perspective. But everybody has always talked about that ceiling, and and that's what this draft is about. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where he's at uh, come come April. Um, again. I, what's this tackle class look like? I don't know, but it's never deep enough. It's never as deep as you want it to be. So I think that's a spot that uh, certainly will come off the board quicker than, than other places around it. Yeah. He's number 15 on pro football focuses board. That's a lot different than being number 15 on the running back big board uh, yeah, in terms right. of where you're going to go uh, round by round. Sean, the last name to get to specialist extraordinaire, Jordan Stout, an excellent chance to be the first specialist off the board here. Uh, we know what he can do. Um, we know the personality was awesome. And I just want to point out before you do, did not have a Virginia Tech scholarship on the table. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it's interesting to watch this um, because Matt Ariaza, who, who won the Ray guy, who was incredible at San Diego State, um, you know, it, it, you would think he would be the odds on favorite to be the number one. But there's a lot of people that have Stout as number one. Just I think he's a little bit more consistent, um, a little bit more controlling of where that ball goes. When, I mean, Ariaza was was great at kicking the ball very far and, uh, you know, he's getting those. 80 yard punts or whatever, but stout, uh, you know, brings a lot to the table. And I'm curious to see which scouts are going to think that if he doesn't have to kick and he doesn't have to kick off or whatever, then he can focus all his energy on punting and how good can he be as a punter? Plus you've, you know, you've got, uh, Joe Lurig has great things to say about him. You know, the guys that have been around, uh, Blake Gillikin, of course, is a starter in the NFL right now. So that helps, um, his cause as well. So, um, you, you, you like Jordan stouts prospects. I want to see what he runs. Cause he ran that four, what four four seven or whatever uh, last year? Hopefully, there's no fakes or anything like that in the combine drills. But uh, you know, he can get he can get past that and maybe maybe work on that in pro day. But I'm excited to see where Stout lands. Uh, it's been fun to cover him. It's been fun to to figure out that portal situation because he was kind of the first dive uh, successful dive in there for Penn State. So um, excited to see where he lands. Excited to see how he uh, tests and where he comes out of this thing because that's the thing about these draft boards is a lot of these positions will move all over the place. But for punters, there's only a handful of guys. So he's got to establish himself as the number one guy. Yeah, an exceptional athlete, especially at the specialist room. And a guy who was a, a superstar high school soccer player as well, which you do hear from time to time with some of these kickers. I have to imagine, although, as we saw, there were inconsistencies there, his ability to be a guy that you could turn to and, and hit a long long distance field goal or try a long distance field goal or turn to in a kickoff situation. Because if you go down a specialist, if a guy pulls his hamstring in, in the first quarter, that can get ugly fast for you. So it's not necessarily something that's, I think, going to make or break him in the draft. But maybe when you're stacking up a couple names here and there and you kind of look at the laundry list of what he may be able to do for your roster and some of the flexibility he could provide for you, if something were to happen in-game, can't hurt him. Can't hurt him. Uh, uh, certainly, the, the the what was he? One of four guys who were handling all three full time specialist jobs uh, until the last couple games of the season when Jake Penninger stepped up as the place kicker again. Um, so eight guys uh, continue to follow Alliance247.com throughout the weekend uh, for Tyler, updates Tyler, from Indianapolis. Can I, on, can I put you on the spot? Uh, who do you think's sure. got the most to gain? Who's got things got the most to lose in the next couple of days? I think most to gain. Uh, I'm going to go with. Jesse Lucetta. I think I think if if he can come out of this thing uh, with some rave reviews for what he's doing at, at, as an edge rusher, as a defensive end, um, because, again, I, I think based on what we've seen from him, to me, that is the spot where the ceiling is, is higher. And I think where, where he could really take off uh, and continue to focus there. Um, again, if he can get a few people to really buy into what he can be there, um, because there's not a ton of, of evidence at this level, I, I think you could see him end up going a lot higher than any of us really could have imagined, especially before the 2021 season. Um, and then I would say in terms of most to lose, I guess I will go with Rashid Walker in this situation um, only because I don't know where he is from a health standpoint. Some of these other guys might be nicked up or, or recovering. I don't know. Um, but I think Rashid Walker finished uh, that trajectory is pointing really high at one point at Penn State. And by the time it got to the end, we just talked about it. We covered it. It wasn't pointing in the same direction. And I'm curious how he's carried over the last couple months physically, mentally, What's he going to impress upon these scouts when he sits down across from them? 
Um, you know, I, I think there's just a lot to answer in terms of Rashid Walker. And to me, he's the guy that when I go through this list and think about where they were coming out of high school, he felt like the, the guy that you could maybe most easily project toward a first round NFL future. Brandon Smith uh, was a little tricky from a positional standpoint, but I was thinking 18 years old to 21, 22, Rasheed Walker is the guy to me that, that I would have guessed out of this group would be the first round pick. Yeah, no, good picks. Good picks. I think there's arguments to be made for everybody there, but uh, certainly when you take a look at draft position, you're, you know, Dotson dropping from 25 to 40 would be a big loss or, but whereas Brandon Smith dropping from the fourth round to the seventh round would be, you know, just probably just as big, even though there's more slots in there. So just want to get your opinion on that. Just uh, everybody, I think everybody's going to have a different answer. So I think the, the key here is can someone, a head coach, a defensive coordinator, a GM convince themselves that Jaquan Brisker is a future quarterback for their defense? You know, this is a guy that I think IQ through the roof, um, an extension of the coaching staff kind of presence. And I know that at the NFL, uh, there's a lot of guys that kind of fit that mold, keeps them in the league for a long time. But to me, safety's a bit devalued, it would seem, uh, and that's going to impact Jaquan Brisker perhaps in this draft. But this is a guy that really took it upon himself to, to enhance his draft stock. And boy, did he ever do that as a fifth-year player at the college level. Um, I, I think he's going to have an opportunity to really kill it in some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. And if he goes out, and and and, t and lights it up as an athlete. There's some room there. I, maybe he's a surprise early pick as well. Uh, he's just the guy that I feel like I'm a little surprised. There's not more buzz about him right now than there actually is because of the season he's coming off of at a position that, well, let's face it. I mean, Penn State's had really solid safety play. But they haven't had safety play like that at least I think in the Franklin era. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a Penn State guy go in the first round, a Penn State secondary guy go in the first round. Um, right. you know, they've been playing pretty solid ball the last couple of years. Um, uh, be interesting to see Abikiti at 6'2, 250, um, you know, being projected in the first round. I, I'm curious if his athletic numbers, you know, are are what people want, if his length numbers, if his if his height numbers are are what people want, because that's uh that's the one thing. If you're projecting a guy in the first round to come off the edge that's six two. We know he's a special talent. We saw him this year, and he was awesome for Penn State, and he was such a big part of um, you know, the, what they did last year, especially in the portal. Um, but, yeah, I think there's going to be questions about his size, and we'll see we'll see how that holds up, and does that drop him uh, you know, a round or so? And going from the first round to the second round is obviously a big deal. Well, another big board to look at, Sean, for the 2023 class, 24-7 uh, Sports put out new rankings on Wednesday. That top 24-7 still features the same three Penn State commits. Alex Birchmeyer at number 23 overall. He remains the number one interior offensive lineman. Uh, Javen Williams, number eight offensive tackle, number 68 overall. And then Neo Avery, number 126 and number 12 among edge defenders. I think he's still technically listed as an athlete in 24-7 sports, but uh, number 12 among edge defenders. Um, Sean, composite four stars remain Mega Barnwell, Lamont, Wayne, uh, Lamont Payne, I should say, um, but uh, <laughs> very careful. Um so no, no, no major movement here. There were there was you know this and yeah, a lot of movement around them. These guys stayed pretty much in place. And obviously at the top of this thing, it's another indication that they are building a really strong offensive line class in the 2023 cycle. Yeah, Birchmeyer and Williams there at the top. Uh, certainly guys that uh, you can build around uh, not only as a offensive line class but a full class as well. You know, I love Neo Avery, um, but yeah, not no surprises there. I think the the one guy that you look at when you go to this class and you say, does he make a dent as a four star prospect? Josh Miller, um, and I know guards are not 
usually as highly thought of as tackles. So um, you can you could get Donka's argument in there. But uh, Josh Miller is a really good football player. I know that they've they've been uh, Penn State's been uh, <laughs> actively I don't want to say actively stumping, but they they, they are um, very aware that they think that he they they, they rate him higher than, than we do at 24-7 sports. Um, Birchmeyer, by the way, just picked up his second consecutive uh, state championship uh, on the wrestling mat. Congratulations to him. Um, nice, nice to have that in your pedigree. I know, I know Brian Doan has mentioned that a few times and, and one more time, Brian Doan's comparison there, uh, Quentin Nelson. Um, so that, that is a really, really outstanding all pro former all American, uh, prospect on the offensive interior. We'll go uh, well Sean with Pat Mahomes and Aaron Donald when he gets to campus. <laughs> yes. Quite the crew. Um, this class is ranked fifth in the composite right now. They lead the big 10, eight players on board. And now it's time for our five-star mailbag. Sean, we'll wrap it up with this one. Um, and it takes us back to, to some conversations looking ahead towards spring ball and beyond. You've mentioned Kalen King and Landon Tengwall as potential starters in year two. Who else could make a meaningful step forward before next season from a pretty small 2021 class? And, and yes, it was a very small class that lost Nate Bruce early. Um, you know, there's not a ton of names to go through when you consider this question. There's certainly not. If you look at uh, battling for starting positions, Jalen Reed's obviously one that you could turn to. He played quite a bit down the stretch last year at safety. Going to be battling with uh, with Keaton Ellis and, of course, Zaki Wheatley in that safety battle as well. He's another redshirt freshman um, that uh, has turned some heads. Um, but, you know, you go down the list, Kobe King, I think, will be in uh, at Mike uh, battling with Tyler Ellis and once they figure that position out. And then Harrison Wallace that we talked about, uh, can he break through as a receiver, probably in a two in a two deep manner, more so than a starter. Um, but he's got the athleticism and, and the bounce to do so. Sanders Sahadak. I mean, he's, he's got to be part of the conversation here, I suppose. I mean, Jake Pinniger has been getting some love uh, during winter workouts from new special teams coordinator, and he's the guy who's kicked plenty of balls for this Penn State squad. But Sahadak was considered the number one kicker coming out of the 2021 class. Um, we talked about it. Jordan Stout's focused on the NFL these days. So, that's an obvious one you got to go to. And we were mentioning Kalen King. How about his twin brother, Kobe King, right in the thick of it for, uh, to start at middle linebacker. Uh, some of the other names we've mentioned there, you know, Tyler Elsden uh, in, in the box as well. But uh, Kobe King, Kalen King, you know, could you see these these guys both step up as starters in, in, in year two? Certainly seems plausible. And and kind of outside of the, the starting conversation, but in the taking a step forward conversation, I, I'm tempted to look toward those wide receivers, Trey Wallace and Liam Clifford. We talked about Trey Wallace's jump out of the gym athleticism last week. I think it was you shared a video uh, from the basketball court recently. Um, but to me, you, you, you've hit on some classes here with Taylor Stubblefield, that wide receiver, after a stretch where you didn't hit too well in any wide receiver classes. You just brought in another big one here in 2022. Curious what you're going to get in year two out of those two guys. Trey Wallace, I think, has been the guy who's generated more buzz, and certainly the athleticism stands out. Not a, really a need for these guys to jump through, crack the starting lineup. I would still favor Tinsley, Mitchell Tinsley. I would still favor Malik Mega in the conversation. Um, but you want to hit on these guys, and we just haven't really had any kind of, um, I guess, evidence from our standpoint, whether it be on the practice field um, or in game day action, um, that they have what it takes to, to thrive and succeed at the Big Ten level and be meaningful playmakers for Penn State early in their careers. But I look at those two, Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace, and, and I'm and I want to see what they can do with the spring practice ahead of them. 
Yeah, um, that's a spot where you can hop people and, and take it and run with it. We've seen it in the past. We saw Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith do that. Um, another guy that I'll throw out there, Jordan Vandenberg. Um, yes, is, yeah. is You forget about him because of the, the circumstances <laughs> regarding his arrival. But defensive tackle, there's a lot of bodies at defensive tackle. Um, so you're talking about potential three deep that can play, um, you know, when, when Mustafa gets back and gets healthy, when Beeman is back and is able, you know, he's a very talented kid. Um, and then you've got Izzard and Ellie's there. Vandenberg, I think, could fit into that. Uh, we'll see if Zane Durant fits into that as well. But I think you're you're feeling pretty good about defensive tackle right now. And I think Vandenberg is a guy that you can throw out there and, and be confident that he can give you some quality reps. Vandenberg, to me, is a guy that when we talk about this class a year from now, and again, with, with Andre Bruce, 15 players from that class who, who arrived last year, very small group. Wouldn't be surprised if a year from now we're saying Vandenberg is in the top half of that group in terms of impact. Uh, on a football field for Penn State through the first couple of years of their careers. I, I think he's going to break through uh, and, and be a rotational component for them, Sean. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll find out a lot more through the spring ball. But um, Jordan Vandenberg, I think, came to, to came to campus, uh, turned people's heads and, and continued to surprise them. And now to the point where there's a little bit of game tape on him, great call mentioning him because he's all the way at the bottom of this list for the class when you go over to 24 seven sports it's certainly easy to forget about him as i said this the circumstances surrounding his arrival were were different much different than we're used to but uh he came and played last year he got that red shirt year so he's going to have the ability to to maybe make a dent in that rotation and and john scott's going to have some options up there uh, good stuff out of the mailbag today. You can drop your question and five-star rating and review up at Apple Podcasts. We'll get to it when we can. Um, a few housekeeping notes here for the show. Penn State's going on spring break. That's our plan, we think. Uh, certainly for me, I'm heading out with the family for a week on vacation. Um, Sean's home with the kids who are on spring break next week. And then we got Lance getting hitched next weekend. Uh, this is going to be uh, a big week ahead for all of us, a little bit more so for Lance. Congratulations, buddy. Um, but we plan on coming back to you definitely by the 15th of March. Uh, so that would be a couple Tuesdays from now. But if something big pops up and it's worth talking about, Sean, Lance, we'll, we'll, we'll get together and they'll talk about it next week. But don't count on it. We, we'll be back a, a week after that, but a little bit of a spring break for us. And then it's spring ball time, and we get to talk about a whole different set of conversations. And that's that's always a fun thing to turn the page after January and February. And, Sean, big thanks to our listeners for surviving the, the big chunk of the offseason with us. We got on-campus recruiting coming back. We've got the uh, official visits around the corner. And, of course, as I said, the pads are coming back on. So light at the end of the tunnel has suddenly expanded in a uh, in a nice way, especially for the guys getting on a, on a plane heading south, although well, with the baby for the first time. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, there'll be plenty to overreact about. Again, check out our stuff on lions247.com after the uh, lifting session today. Uh, we'll get to talk to Chuck Losey, get to see some of the guys that we haven't seen for a while. So looking forward to that. Check that out on the site. Um, but uh, until whenever we see you the next time, that'll be it. For Tyler Donahue, for our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Sean Fitz. Thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.